physical media and entertainment from the silver screen to the palm of your hand. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of From Screen to Shelf. My name is Will. As always, I am joined by Gabe and Chase. We are here today to do something a little bit different. We're going to we're going to get a little more personal with this episode and kind of take a deep dive back in time to when we first got into physical media, what influenced us growing up, possibly to, to get into collecting and to get into physical media. So we're going to go back and talk about that. We're going to tell you guys about how each of us started collecting and uh, pretty much how we started off and where we got to where we are today or how we got to where we are today. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I think we're going to go into our, our buying habits uh, more recently, how we buy things, you know, what we look for when we're buying, what we're into. Uh, so we're going to personalize this episode for you guys and just kind of give you guys an insight into kind of who we are as, as collectors and uh, fans of physical media. So we're going to talk about that. And then I think we'll talk a little bit about the correlation between what we watch theatrically and what we end up buying based on things that we see, whether it's on streaming or in the theaters, as I just mentioned, or um, anywhere else. Uh, we're going to, we're going to get right into that. So uh, guys, I don't know which one of you wants to start chase. Did you want to kind of kick this thing off and then we'll, uh, we'll take it yeah. from there. Yeah. Mine can actually be kind of lengthy because of how it started. Mm. Um, yeah. So collecting movies has always been something I did. Um, so it went back to we young little uh little lad me and so my dad was super into like home theaters and everything like that um he always had like he was buying like the newest tvs doing this like to go as far back as like i remember during the hd dvd and blu-ray war period he bought an hd dvd player and bought like the 700 600 playstation 3 purely for blu-rays that's how crazy he was because <laughs> oh, he wow. showed Smart up man. one day when yeah like yeah. he came home one day he's like i got a surprise and i remember making a joke because i just saw toilet paper behind him i was like we have enough toilet paper why do you have to surprise <laughs> us with that i don't know why but i remember that and no he moved the toilet paper and it was a freaking playstation 3 on launch day you know what I mean? You That's were just thinking about the video games, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were yeah, just exactly. like video games. Yeah, because I remember it came with MotorStorm and stuff like that. Like, you know, that racing game and you had the gyro controls. Mm -hmm. But even going like way back before that, like every Christmas, I was a super big uh, Simpsons fan. So every Christmas um, before my dad got like a really good job, I'd get one season of The Simpsons until I had all of them. And so I would watch them do like those things got scratched. I had watched the Simpsons so, so much. So like, I always looked forward to Christmas cause I kind of anticipated like a little Simpsons set. And as my dad got a better job, like I'd get more and more. And then I would even save up my money. Like I remember I didn't get to go see star Wars revenge of the Sith in theaters. And I had like $30 I got for my birthday. And my dad asked me what I wanted. And I had like the gold, a new hope, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back DVD set. And I was like, Revenge of the Sith. And I'm almost positive it was more than 30. Like, however much money I had at the time was not enough to cover it. And we were living in a hotel at the time and I had a portable DVD player. And that's how I remember the first Good. time I saw Revenge yeah. of the Sith, man. You know, I, I sat behind the, the couch and I just on a tiny little screen and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. You know, at one point it was my favorite movie. But so uh, as my dad would get it, um, I remember the first movie that he bought was Superman, the movie with Christopher Reeves. Mm -hmm. That was my first time watching it, my first Blu-ray experience. And I was like, whoa, I was used to VHSs. You know, I had Pokemon on VHS. 
Um, I think I even freaking had Barney on VHS as a like four year old had all of those cabinet full of VHSs. And so that's whenever the Blu-ray started. Uh, my dad ended up having damn near a shelf like me. And I'd always just go put, put it in. Then it kind of revolutionized whenever some people I might be bringing back a way back nostalgia trip before even all the blockbuster visits, renting movies all the time and games and stuff. But before Netflix became a streaming app, they you had to order, I think it was a free disc from them that you had to put in there and it would just spin the disc and then you'd get access to their digital library that way. And then you just had to have an internet connection. And so I had it for the Wii and the PS3. And so they had so much like not original content like they do now. They had the Simpsons, Family Guy, so many TV shows. And I discovered so, so much. And I remember I meandered upon back in that time frame a movie called teeth have you guys ever heard of that is that familiar which one is that is yeah i know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah will knows what i'm talking about a girl grows up oh yeah yeah yeah. i know nuclear power plant and she grows teeth in her genitals yeah (laughs) i remember this one i think i was like nine years old and meandered somehow upon that movie and so that introduced me into like a wider foray of movies and then as I became a teenager, I started working um, at around I worked under the table at like 12, 13, started working and stuff like that. And then whenever I could legally start working at 14, that's whenever I started buying like Blu-rays and stuff. Walmart had a much bigger like 10, um, $5 bin for DVDs. My favorite things to get were like the four eight film sets and the DVDs. They look like the most generic picture art. You know, they still have them. But it would be like Superman 1, 2, 3, 4. And it would have like a white background, Superman 4 film collection. I'd get it for like 5, 10 bucks uh, because I didn't have internet at this point. So I just buy all of those, at least one or two a check. Still have some of them over there. And so then uh, when I was like 16, 17, 18, it was just Blu-rays, you know. And then uh, the dawn of 4K, I remember one of the very first ones, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the best movies of all time, one of my favorite movies of all time was one of the first batches along with Lego movie. And I bought those and then planet earth two came out and I remember paying 60 freaking dollars for that, man. Now you can get it for like 18 wow. bucks. Yeah, yeah. Cause they were not cheap. Time and I remember, yeah, I remember like that was like peak. I didn't know movies could look that good, man. You know, like, Holy cow. Like there's this one part in planet earth two where this little iguana goes up against like a thousand snakes and man, they like, you know, the Denver Broncos need to recruit that little lizard because holy cow, that thing was deking and juking everything, you know, even got entwined by the snakes. And after that, it just became because 4Ks were very expensive when they first came out, not too far Super. off from where they're at now. But yeah. some movies release at like $15, $20, like The Wailing, some Paramount releases release at that margin. But man, you'd be hard pressed to find something that wasn't twenty nine ninety nine brand new. Right. So it was a once, twice a month type of thing. And it had to be a movie that I had either watched or it had to be something worth me picking up. So the collection over the first two years was probably about two shelves wide. And then as it became, you know, Best Buy Black Friday deals massively expanded that to the point after it became habitual after two years of having a track record for that. I yeah. would go in and I would just keep a list and I did it this year. Rebel without a cause, Maltese Falcon, stuff like that. It would get for anywhere from 10 to 15 bucks instead of 25, 30. 
And so that's pretty much how it, it started. Then boutique labels, I didn't know those existed until um, the Reddit and, you know, starting the server, a lot more word of mouth, uh, whenever that became a thing. And just to see the trajectory of those ones and how much they started bullying my wallet, especially vinegar syndrome. My first one was Flesh for Frankenstein, uh, Arrow Video. I know that they were a staple Scream Factory. Never had heard of them before that. I just studio releases, whatever was on the shelf at Walmart and Best Buy. And so my um, library and my taste really expanded, honestly, once boutique labels kind of came around and stuff like that. And yeah, it was just really cool, really rewarding to get into that because some of the experiences that you get whenever you blind buy something like I, I don't think I probably would have gotten into David Cronenberg five, six years ago. You know what I mean? If it wasn't for boutique labels, if it wasn't for the community, you know, finding more people that expand your taste. Remember my first era was crash. That was my first one. And that got me way deeper into uh, David Cronenberg. And yeah, like honestly, collecting has really, really changed the way that I perceive films, what's good, what's bad. If it wasn't a studio release, you know, like a generic poster art and stuff like that, I would stay away from it. But now if I see a bad poster, I'm like, man, I'm about to watch some of the best stuff I've watched all week. (laughs) You know, like I'm about to get into some heat. And yeah, so just just the way that things did and streaming definitely put a little bit of a hiatus on that for a while, because when it was financially feasible, not 25 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month. Like Netflix was six, five bucks. You know, you get into so many good movies. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Teeth wasn't a good movie, but it definitely was different for sure. You know, um, just the type of movies that you consume. And so I wouldn't say I buy everything. At one point, I did have every, I did say that recently in my year in review for Scream Factory. I had every single 4K that Scream put out because I liked their Blu-ray releases. They were releasing forgotten cuts, forgotten and lost and expensive variations of movies that were just lost to the test of time that warranted you paying that taxed price for those movies as a collector, you know? Um, So that's really what got me more into physical media is getting different editions of things, unaltered cuts, things that I own as long as I take care of the discs, you know, don't let them get too hot, too cold, So that way they don't rot, which isn't really as big of a problem to preface that as much people kind of worry about with their physical collections. Hmm. My Simpsons sets over there, golly, I've had them for so long. They're scratched for sure, but they still play, you know, so you're fine. You know, you don't have to worry about disc rot and those things have been through hell and back. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I expanded into that. And especially like OLED TVs, the black levels. My first big check that I got um, from a company I worked for at a time, that was what I went and dropped it on whenever OLED was newer. I still have that same TV upstairs, the curved 3D OLED by LG, the CX, Mm. or not CX, the C6. Mm. It has the Mm. 3D converter on it, so I can even go and plug up like, I did it with Diablo, converted it into 3D, put on the glasses, boom, playing Diablo in 3D, super cool on OLED. Yeah. That's dope. So that's pretty much how I got into that. Gabe, did you want to you want to pick up where Chase left off? Sure, talk a little man. bit about. I'm interested to hear how you got into it because Chase and I have yeah, talked about it before, but I haven't really heard your story. Mine's a little different, man. I didn't have any. No one in my family cared about physical media, so mine's kind of the opposite. Like it was mm-hmm. like I growing up, my parents noticed that I would just would watch movies like excessively. So the one I would always watch was Batman '89 and Batman Returns. So nice. my parents they they bought. Nice 
those movies on VHS just because they were like, he's always watching them on TV. So my mom and dad would buy these movies and just pop them in and just like leave them like replaying them on a loop like all day. And I, and I (laughs) gladly watch them just because I was so freaking obsessed with Batman. So it, it turned into this thing where they just would buy VHSs for me just and my little brother just for us to watch them. Um, and that started expanding, you know, Batman to Disney movies to just a whole bunch of different stuff. So I always appreciated from that, you know, regard growing up where it's like I could just pop it in and, and watch a movie and lose myself for the day. Um, as I got mm-hmm. older um, and I'll, I'm going to talk about this in the Nolan episode I'm going to do. But um, you guys remember those DVD mailers? So it was like it was like you'd get something in the mail. It'd be like buy six DVDs. And then you get like six for free. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. this or this is too old. <laughs> no, I, I remember that. We used to get them every once in a while. Yeah, this here. is like way back um, when. This is like maybe when DVD yeah, first started. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a while back. But like, so uh, we did that. And then one of the ones that my parents bought, fun fact, this is how I actually got into Nolan, uh, was Insomnia. So they, nice. they bought Insomnia just like just out of like a random buy. It was like, yeah, this movie looks good. It has Al Pacino, Robin Williams in it. Let's buy it. And I was like, I don't know how old I was, maybe like 11 or around there. Um, and I'm sitting there watching every DVD that we bought. And I pop in Insomnia. I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a great movie. I'm like 11 years old watching Insomnia. I don't know why, but I'm, I'm going through all these DVDs and I start building like a little library. I'm like, this is cool. I'm like, these are my DVDs. These are my VHSs. And then I just started buying more DVDs on my own. As I got older, as I turned into a teenager, I would just ask kind of like what Chase said, like I'd ask for movies like for my birthday i'd want a movie or a star wars set and just like slowly started transitioning into this dvd library that i got and then when blu-ray came around um i think the first one i got was casino royale and i was a huge 007 uh, fan at the time too so that was like mind-boggling seeing that on 1080p um Mm -hmm. and then i think after that i just started exclusively buying well i started rebuying a lot of the dvds that that kind of slowly happened over time um yeah yeah, and then it just turned into this collection, and my family's like, "Why are you buying these movies?" They they still ask me that question to this day. Like, you know, for Christmas, like we did Secret Santa, they got me a whole bunch of movies, and they're like, "Why are you still buying like these old movies?" And I'm like, "You guys don't understand." <laughs> I'm like, "You'll, you'll never." <laughs> I get understand. the same question, dude. Yeah. <laughs> my mom's like, "You want Christmas question. Vacation? Like that movie? You can just get it on VHS. You can get it on DVD. Like they don't understand it." But yeah. um. Yeah, it's just something like it's slowly transitioned over time uh, on my own. I have no one in my family that's interested in it or intrigued by it. They're just kind of strictly like, hey, it's on streaming. We'll watch it on streaming. Um, but it, it's just been a way for me to kind of. It, I, I, it's something I've always just appreciated having and owning a copy of a film that's always accessible to me. And especially like in this age where it's like director's cuts or like what Chase said, like you're losing theatrical cuts sometimes of like, you know, well-known movies and they're just not accessible anymore. I think it's just a good way to have it on your shelf, keep it on your shelf and no one can take it away from you. Um, mm-hmm. The first 4k I got was Batman versus Superman. And I screwed up because I bought, I had a, I think that my first four KTV was a high sense TV and it, but it didn't have HDR. This is like the first, it's a weird wave. thing. Yeah. It was the first wave yeah. of like 4k TVs. It didn't have HDR. I popped this thing in and I'm like this, I don't understand the hype. I'm like, everyone's saying this is like great. And it just didn't have HDR. And, and I used that TV for like a good year, year and a half until I figured out I was missing the HDR component. Um, but then I eventually got like a Samsung. I don't know which one it was. It was like a Samsung 4k TV. And then I can kind of see a little bit of the HDR. Um, but I, and I think you guys mentioned it. We might talk about this later. I took like a break 
I think I took like a two year hiatus maybe from like mm. buying 4Ks. I don't know what happened. I think like with the onset of streaming, I started just kind of diving into that in terms of the accessibility with a lot of movies. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I didn't get back into it until like maybe 2019, early 2020 maybe. But um, yeah, I had a huge hiatus and like I had to make up for it. I went back. I was like, look at all these freaking movies I missed. Man. <laughs> and I just, you know, slowly started compiling them over time. But yeah, my, my story is a little bit different. I'm the only one in my family that does this. No one's nice. interested in it at all. No one's intrigued by it. They don't understand it. I mean, they they love it. They think it's cool that I do it. They support it 100%, but they don't understand whatsoever. <laughs> what about you, Will? Yeah, and I, I kind of had a similar upbringing to, to you, Chase, and, and say, you know, my dad... And I've mentioned this a few times before, you know, he he really kickstarted my my love of movies from when I was young, you know, um, with the stuff that he had on VHS. He used to like record stuff. I remember he used to watch like yeah. A&E and TBS and like record a bunch of those movies yeah. onto like the, the Fuji film mm -hmm. VHS, like uh, the blank tapes. Press the button, you get commercials the whole nine yards. <laughs> yeah, you get all the commercials. You know what, dude? Like, it's funny. Like, I. I don't want to go off on a tangent about that, but it's just to touch on that real quick. It's funny watching those or when I would rediscover those years later, it's almost like the commercials actually made them a little bit more enjoyable. Cause you just yeah. look back and like, this is how the commercials were back then. Like this is what they <laughs> advertise. Yeah. It was just so it's weird. Cause it, in a way, like having the commercials on those recorded movies, it was like a snapshot of like, you know, what they, what, what things were like at the time, like what products they were advertising and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's interesting to look back on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we started with VHS here when we were kids, we used to have a lot of like the old school, like the Disney cartoons, like Beauty and the Beast, Bambi, um, a lot of those kind of movies. We used to have like the clamshell VHS cases. Yeah. Like the plastic. Which, yeah, the, the big plastic ones with like the edges, which we don't. I don't think we have any of those to this day. I think I have one left, and it's um, it's actually funny. It's a Christmas Carol, the the one I mentioned with uh, yeah, mm. uh, George C. Scott, and it's upstairs somewhere. So I think that's the last one that we have. We might have maybe one other one. I don't know if we have like a Cinderella one somewhere because I remember seeing that up in the attic somewhere in a box. Um, but but that's it. I mean, that's that's mostly what I remember from being like super young, like my brother and I sitting in front of the tv watching those movies and then as we get older like you know we'd started you know amounting uh, amassing dvds and then i think i'm trying to remember when our first blu-ray was but it was probably not long after blu-ray started being introduced it might have been like 2008 or 2009 like one or two years after i think they started coming out with blu-rays in like 2006 or 2007 from what i remember but yeah, like two, i think it was 2007 it might have been 2007 and i don't know if you guys remember this but it used to be there was like this whole thing at the time where it was blu-ray and then it was hd dvd mm -hmm. and there was this whole sort of like competition so to speak between blu-ray and hd dvd obviously blu-ray ended up winning but i remember you know always going to the stores like best buy or circuit city and, and seeing the hd dvds in there as well but we would obviously you know my, my dad would always buy the blu-rays for whatever reason we just stuck with the blu-rays but even before that, I remember going to the Blockbuster in town, which was probably like 10 or 15 minutes from from where I live now. And just just walking around the shelves, like looking at all the movies. I mean, that's when we really started getting into a lot of different films, which is going and renting different movies. And I would always go there with my parents and 
you know, they would usually rent a movie that they were interested in. And then they would allow my brother and I to pick like one movie, like, okay, you guys decide on a movie. Of course, my brother and I would always be fighting about what movies to, to rent. <laughs> so that was always a thing. That. And I, it was just, I just remember that so vividly. They would always let us like, okay, well, which one do you guys want to watch? We're going to get one for mommy and daddy. And we'll get one for you guys. So, you know, Blockbuster obviously was, was super big mm-hmm. growing up for me, you know, from what I remember. Uh, and then, you know, as we got older, my dad continued to buy DVDs, Blu-rays. And then when I was in high school, by this point, I had already seen like, and I talked to you guys about this before I had started watching like horror movies from a young age. I was introduced to a lot of like the John Carpenter stuff and, and a lot of the movies of the seventies and the eighties specifically in the horror genre but it wasn't until i was in high school when netflix started doing the dvd rentals where Mm -hmm. i really started to expand my taste and so at the time it's like i wasn't necessarily buying as many dvds because again like i didn't have like a full-time job i was working like part-time in high school right so I would, I would use that money to pretty much rent what I could from Netflix. And I, I forget what the pricing structure was like. I know Chase, you said it was like when it started, it was so cheap to rent. Yeah. If you had like a, it was like a one or two DVD at a time price. It mm-hmm. was like, I don't know. It was like six or seven bucks. It wasn't much, Yeah. but they had tiered options for that. And I think, yeah, dude, it got to up to, to like, you could get three to four or more. I mean, I think they had like, yeah five or six or whatever. And I, I don't know which one I had, but I was getting probably like four movies at a time. Yeah. And I remember I'd like go to school and then I'd have football practice after school. And as soon as football practice, I was like, all right, I'm going to go home, do the homework. And then I would usually do my homework and pop a movie into the DVD player uh, and do that. And then when the weekends came, if it was a weekend where I didn't have much going on, if we weren't doing anything with friends, I would just be like, all right, I got the four movies in from Netflix. I'm going to watch them in this order. And then if I send them out Monday, you know, they'll send me more by, by, <laughs> yeah, like, strategic. by, by Thursday or Squeeze Friday. Your money. Trying to like just, just utilize that and just watch as many movies as I could. So I wasn't really buying at that time because Netflix, the, the DVD rental thing was just so much, cheaper. so much more convenient. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it actually, it was kind of, I mean, it, it kind of, it was doing, it was serving the purpose that streaming does for me now, where I would just use that to check out movies. And then all the ones that I really liked, I would write them down and be like, all right, well, I'm going to look for this down the line. Cause I know that I would, this is good enough for me to own, right? I really like this one. I'd make a list of all the ones that um, were worth buying. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was working more, you know, in, at the later end of high school, that's when I started buying more Blu-rays, started seeking out. But I was like, like you guys, or at least like you, Chase, I would really only go to like Best Buy. Yep. Best Buy and Walmart and Target. I wasn't necessarily aware of boutique labels at the time. And I mean, I'm, I'm trying to go back. I mean, I think at that time, I don't even know if Scream Factory was a thing yet. I know Anchor Bay was like big. I would buy a lot of the Anchor Bay stuff. A lot of the Anchor Bay DVDs and Blu-rays, they used to have some some awesome sets. I mean, I remember Anchor Bay, one movie in particular we used to buy over and over again was The Evil Dead. I had so many different versions of that movie because for some reason, it was just one of those movies that Anchor Bay, just for some reason, they just decided, okay, we're going to put out 20 different versions of this. They had so many versions of The Evil Dead, and unfortunately, most of those are gone now. Because I went through a period after high school where it was like trying to make money, like, all right, I'm going to sell off most of, you know, the old DVD collection, some of the Blu-rays. I kept some of the Blu-rays, 
the ones I really liked. So we still have those. But I, I kind of went through a similar period that you described, Gabe. I, I got out of the game for a while. It was like I, I was really into collecting Blu-rays. And then several years back, I want to say it was some point before it was before 4K was introduced that I, I, I got out of the game for a little while. So I want to say this is probably 2015 or 2016. Mm-hmm. And I was also like transitioning in terms of jobs, like in, in, in my career. And uh, for whatever reason, yeah, I just kind of fell out of it. So I stopped collecting for a while and I, I had whatever Blu-rays and DVDs I had left that I had not sold off. And then obviously 4K was introduced. I think that was probably around 2016, 2017, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really get back into it until I want to say 2019 or, or sometime before 2020. It was before COVID mm-hmm. because I had started going back to the stores again and like, oh, I started uh, kind of like a somewhat of a steelbook collection. I would be buying, rebuying Blu-rays on steelbook. Uh, and then some of the 4K. So that's how I really got started was was getting back into it sometime around late. I want to say late 2018 or, or somewhere in 2019 from what I remember. So I got back into it then. And yeah, I mean, been been going strong ever since. Like you, Chase, I kind of started getting more involved with the community, like getting on Reddit, realizing that there were all these other labels out there that were kind of curating, you know, uh, collections and genres. And that's really where uh, my mind was kind of opened up to how much was actually out there. And and that really just kind of kickstarted things. Cause then it was like the fact that there was a community behind it. Cause you know, growing up, you know, you, you're, you're not as connected as we are now with each other and, and people in the community where it's like, okay, I don't have to travel to like see anybody to talk to movies about, right. Or talk <laughs> yeah. to about movies. I can just hop on here with you guys and we can recommend movies to one another and, and talk about, you know, pickups that we've gotten and stuff. So I think it's much easier now to enjoy the hobby, which I think is what drive part of what drives me to keep collecting because it's enjoyable and it's enjoyable to sit here and obviously talk to you guys about it and engage with everybody else. So, uh, and we can maybe get into that, you know, some point later, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much my story. So got back into it around 2018 or 2019 and have been going strong ever since. Do you, do you Hell think, yeah. Do you think, well, just because, and I don't know if, Chase, you also had a gap, too, where you stopped buying, but, like, did you guys stop? Because I noticed, like, when the 4K started coming out, mm-hmm. like, I mean, obviously, like, what you said, well, like, there it was a transitional period for me, too, because I was, like, in college. I was, like, you know, getting my career going. and But also, yeah. like, I was kind of, like, I started seeing all the, the movies that I had bought on Blu-ray get released again, and then I'm, like, fuck, yeah. I got to buy these again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I, I don't yeah. know if, like, that kind of subconsciously, like, maybe like that kind of led to me like stopping for a little bit. Cause I'm like, man, I, I don't want to rebuy all these movies again. And I didn't know I was kind of lost in terms of what I wanted to do. I'm like, do I really want to sit here and right. purchase all these it's movies again? And, and, and I kind of, I think that's what kind of led me to stop for like a year or two. Cause I was kind of confused as to what I wanted to do in terms of like collecting. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was like, Chase, I don't know if you want to go first, because I remember specifically, some of the like most of the reason i mean for me it was like the financial position i was in like i said i was like changing careers and mm-hmm. i was like all right you know what i'm really gonna batten down and just focus on what i need to focus on first and foremost and i wasn't really doing much of anything i mean i'd say those few years where i was out of it uh not buying anything i was really just living 
you know, incredibly fr- like I was just frugal in general, mm. right? Like I, those were kind of mm. like a lull for me overall, yeah. like in my life, right? In terms of uh, spending habits and and hobbies and and recreational stuff. So, uh, yeah, I would say that that was definitely part of it, though. Like seeing the four K starting because I, I wasn't in it, but like you know, you'd go to the store every now and then, and be like, oh, now that now they're doing four Ks. What's this four K stuff everybody's talking about? Yeah. And, and that was definitely a thought that crossed my mind. Like, damn, like we went from first it was VHS and it's like, all right, well now we're going to do DVDs and now we're going to sell off the DVDs so we could afford to buy some of the Blu-rays. And now it's like, well, dude, now we got to upgrade again, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was definitely part of it, but I think streaming was also a part of it, like later in the game too, because Mm. streaming, I, I forget when Netflix started streaming. But once once we started with streaming, I, I kind of just fell into that because A, it was cheaper than having to go out and buy everything that I wanted, where it was like, okay, I'm just gonna I have the stuff on Blu-ray and DVD that I never sold that I that I have. I'll always have those. But streaming was kind of cool. It was more of a convenient um thing for me. It was just con- the uh the aspect of convenience. But yeah, I, I'd say that definitely played a part in it because it, you know. I, I kind of grappled with that at the beginning. Like, damn, if I ever want to get back into this, like now I got to upgrade everything to 4K. So yeah, that definitely crossed my mind. What about you, Chase? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it was really much of like, oh, another re-release. Because I didn't know what the differences was or were until I believe my first Shout Factory. I want to say they did it. They re-released Mad Max 1, Road Warrior, and Beyond Thunderdome. And there was a place called Movie Trading. I mean, I still live near one, like five minutes away. Uh, but where I was living, I lived even closer. It was like a walk. So I went over there and I was just trading in movies at the time, um, really just because I had so many and I didn't have a lot of money at the time. But I would still try to get something out of like their dollar, two dollar, three, four, five dollar bin. And I remember I saw like these $25 editions of Mad Max 1, 2, and 3. And I had no idea why they were expensive, but I just figured I saw collector's edition on it. And I was like, golly, I love these. When that actually meant something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like I saw it on there and I remember I saved up for a few months to get that at that time. Um, Or a few weeks at best. And that was my first foray into realizing that different transfers to your point existed. So before that, like whenever something get re-released, I'd be like, why the hell are they re-releasing it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just wouldn't even think about it to like really that degree. So it didn't really demotivate me until like, you know, I would say that's more of a thing now. I'll be a little bit more cautious with certain releases. Like something that came out way earlier, I wouldn't be surprised gets a a 4K re-release. We've seen it before, right? Like a new Mm. transfer, this or that. Or like even on Blu-rays, such as examples of Weird Science by Arrow, which I happen to actually have right here, by the way. This was the most disappointing 4K I watched. It's literally Mm. hardly an upgrade over the Blu-ray, right? So, like, I'm a little bit more picky and choosy when something already has an excellent Blu-ray. If I need it in 4K, like, something like that, I didn't need to buy it. And I heard that, but I was like, eh, it can't be that little of a difference. It really is. But that's also yeah. a testament to how much they push the limitations of Blu-ray, right? Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily to say it's a bad 4K. They just really push those limits on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say it was really that as much as it was streaming, the ease of access and stuff like that. Especially during the pandemic, it opened my mind a lot because then you had Pluto that came out. You had Peacock around that same time to be becoming more prevalent, you know. Um, So it was so many things that I could just get on there and consume at no charge. Like 
I didn't give a damn about ads. I saw those as bathroom breaks. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't have to pause it or anything like that. So I remember I went through all of the Star Trek movies, every single one of them during that time. Now I own all the ones that are out now, you know? So yeah, I didn't really see like the re-release strategy as a thing then as much as I see that as an issue now on what I'm picky and choosy on. But obviously it doesn't make me too picky because I still bought Weird Science because <laughs> I love that movie. That movie's freaking phenomenal. I'm what? debating uh, getting rid of that 4K because I have the Blu-ray still. And yeah, I think that's I would. Per- and I think we can. Well, we'll let's save this actually because Gabe, I just I, I thought of this. We can actually save this until we get into our buying habits because I want to mention Weird Science because I think it's a good example of you know questioning not whether or not something. to upgrade. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll get into that in a bit. But go ahead, Gabe. No, that's what I was going to bring up. Rose buying habits. <laughs> <laughs> oh perfect oh well, yeah. here we are there we go perfect, perfect we segue go. go ahead will here we go <laughs> yeah well i mean i guess we can get into I mean, i'll talk about what i'm i'll talk about what my buying habits were i guess i'll start when i got back into it right and i'll kind of give you guys the the history of how i got to where i am now in terms of how i look at everything so getting back into it i wasn't necessarily aware that we had the options that we have for uh, as far as boutique labels are concerned. So I would just be going to, as I said, Best Buy, Target. I mean, usually Best Buy, I was really only going to Best Buy for like the steelbooks because I was I was getting into collecting steelbooks. I was like, okay, these are cool. They kind of have that a little bit of an edge over like standard slips as far as like the collector's mentality is concerned. You know, you get a little bit more, just feels like you have something that's a little bit more of a collector's item, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'll be honest, just to throw this out there, I did not care at all about slipcovers when I when I got back into oh, the really? game. I I never yeah, I and I never really cared for them prior. Like even back when I was buying like DVDs and Blu-rays before I went on like my hiatus, so to did speak. Did you throw any away just to tear Chase's heart out right now? I threw them in the well, shout out to uh <laughs> one of our community members, and if he's watching this, he'll know who he is. But I I, I threw them all in the fridge. I just threw them in the fridge to keep them preserved. <laughs> no, I uh Yeah, no, dude, I, I would and Chase, you're gonna hate me, but yeah, I would throw them away. I would throw them away. The slip covers, god. Because I'd be like, me. dude, okay, can I just let's 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 oh, talk shit. about this though. Cause, <laughs> and you guys know, like and 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 other people out here will, will hear me out because I, I know there's people that'll watch this that'll agree with this because having if there's somebody right that has like I have like OCD with like organization. Mm-hmm. But dude, the thing that I can't stand is like and and I guess we won't have to worry about this as much. Well, I guess we will with like Walmart, but with the Amazon stuff, I don't notice this. But with Best Buy, like just just looking at Best Buy as an example, because that's where I bought most of my stuff other than my boutique releases and, you know, Diabolic and the uh, the online retailers. Some of those slipcases look, it's like, I don't get how they would, would end up that damaged. Yeah. Whether it was like dude, the you've cut had the on worst. the edges. Yeah. Dude. I, and, and I, and, <laughs> They're bad. Yeah. You know, I've had some bad luck, okay? Not as bad as other people, but I mean, I've yeah. I've had some bad ones, but... Like there were times where I used to go into Best Buy and literally if there was like an employee, I would ask them like, dude, dude can you guys explain to me like how this happens? Like, like I yeah. don't understand how these things get so, so dented, damaged, scratched. It's like, what? like the, the dents I understand, but like some of the scratches that I've seen on them, it's like, how is someone, it's like tiger nails, like scratching this thing. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, how take them to war, bro, and they come back and put it on the shelf. Dude, and then it's like, and and this like kind of really like skews me out too. But like, I, I've been to places where you like pick up a slipcover, and it's like someone. It's almost like someone had their hand in a bag of Cheetos and then decided to grab the the case. And it's like there's like Cheeto <laughs> fingerprints on it. It's like what the hell is that? Like what is going on here? Licking them, stocking dude, everything. Just weird, no. weird stuff, dude. And it's like, I mean, and and sometimes that happens with you know, like we get the discs in, and you guys have probably experienced this. You have like fingerprints on the disc, or it, if it's like off gassing, that that sometimes causes an issue too. Um, you know, not to shout out the whole like grease gate thing with, with Chucky, but in the screen factory stuff, but yeah, that's just something that like peeves me out. Like the fact that, I mean, I think slip covers, at least with the studio releases for the longest time, they treated slip covers as disposable because it's, it's more of like an advert for the film. Yeah. And you know, the J card is the slip cover in that aspect where it's like, okay, well this is just meant to be discarded. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people at least more more on the casual side of things, like in, in terms of the the casual crowd that every now and then, you know, buys a movie they really like, they'll go into Best Buy or Walmart now now nowadays. Um, I just think slip covers for the longest time and, and I fell into that category. I was like, you know, I don't really think this is meant to be kept on. And I think it's more meant to because I had this whole idea like, well, it's not in the plastic, so they don't care if it's yeah, it, it's not protected. So it must just meant to it, it must mean it's just meant to be discarded. So that was really my mentality for the longest time. But now, obviously, I'm I'm a fan of slip covers. I, I like to keep them in, in good condition. But I'm with you, Gabe. Like, it's like you said, like, at the end of the day, if I can't find it with a slip cover, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Like, it is what it I'm is. Not so just to touch it. on that. Yeah, I mean, if it's you know, a release, the only time I really care now, at least, is if it's like a, like, maybe if it's like a trilogy or like, like Blade Runner, right? Like, I really wanted yes. Blade, because I had one with, I had 2049 with the slipcover, so I wanted to get the first one with the slipcover. So, like, right. stuff like that, but, like, if it's, you know, especially if it's on sale, if it's a Black Friday sale, it's fucking $10 or less. Like, Yeah, I'm I don't not, care. I don't, I don't care, care if that slipcover's on it. Like, I'm not tripping out about it. But, um, but no, just to get back on trajectory here, yeah, so when I, when I got back into it, it was mostly whatever movies I could find for a reasonable price, steel books, I would, I would be willing to pay, mm-hmm. you know, a little more for. Um, so I, I really started back into it with, with steel books. I would be buying Blu-ray steel books and I would start getting the 4Ks. Eventually got my 4K TV. I think that was either 2019 or 2020. Like right after I got back into it, I was like, well, if I'm getting 4Ks, I, I got to get a TV. Mm-hmm. So I think my first TV, I ended up getting an LG, um, which was, you know, reasonable option a lot of people are fans of the lg so nothing wrong there so yeah i mean i I started getting into 4ks and then it wasn't until i i really started looking online and i found the the reddit and i found uh you know i ended up getting on the discord and meeting all of you guys and that's when i was like all right now i gotta like really hone in and do my research and luckily you know i was in a good place in my life you know in terms of my career financially where it was like okay you know what i can afford to you know kickstart this you know, start this hobby up again. And so, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to, to enjoy it and, and continue to, you know, invest in it. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I got back into it. I started with steelbooks and then slowly, but surely discovering the subreddit and the discord kind of opened my eyes up to the fact that it's like, wow, okay, there's, there's a lot of boutique labels out here, vinegar syndrome, scream factory. I was getting the scream factory stuff because best buy had scream factory, like my yeah, best do. buy at least. They used to stock Scream Factory. 
they even had some of the arrow releases so I, I think out of the first boutique labels that i started buying when i got back into the hobby i would say it was scream factory and arrow were really the first two that i was already aware of um and then i got into obviously vinegar syndrome mvd cauldron films all these other imprint um indicator that was all from the subreddit and and boutique blu-ray shout out to them but um yeah it was really the 4k subreddit that got me kick-started on 4k and like trying to get everything on 4k and luckily i was like okay i'm in a position where i can afford to do it let me start selling off some of my other blu-rays because i was like well let me get some extra money i was trying to get as much as i could to get caught up on some of the boutique releases so i started selling off more of my blu-rays and and now there's a market for it so it was easier to do it on ebay and, and stuff like that um because the hobby was was becoming so big uh as we see now you know with uh the size of the subreddit and the discord and, and our online community but yeah that's pretty much my trajectory so from where i am now now it's like i, I mostly focus on boutiques so that that's essentially what what my trajectory was like getting back into it now i don't know if you guys want to talk about your habits first i mean i can go into like my buying habits nowadays mm. because now it's really it, it comes down to whether or not i i think it's worth it like i, I want to mention weird science because this is what i was going to say is that that's a perfect example of an opportunity in which i don't think it's necessary to to upgrade and I did mm -hmm. because I figured, okay, with Arrow, like they do such great work. I figured, okay, there's got to be a difference. But at the same time, like, yeah, to give credit to the work that they did on the Blu-ray, I mean, the Blu-ray is so good that Amazing. there's not much of a difference with the 4K. So it's just HDR, very yeah, subtle. So, uh, yeah, and, and here's the thing. I mean, even if they're putting out stuff on Blu-ray nowadays, compared to the Blu-rays that we were getting six, seven, eight years ago, I mean, the quality is much better yeah. nowadays. Mm -hmm. The quality of the scans themselves are better. So if they're re-releasing or reissuing a Blu-ray with an updated scan and it's one that I don't have or one that I got rid of, then yeah, I'm going to grab that. But it's also a, a, a question of whether or not that's going to be on 4K anytime soon. So for me, I'd say I mostly try to go for 4Ks nowadays of releases unless I know that it's something like if it's something I already have and I don't think it's worth upgrading, I'm not going to do it. Like Weird Science would have been one of those choices and that's why i talked about possibly selling that 4k because i mean dude i'm totally happy with the blu-ray i don't think yeah I agree. other than like the hdr mm -hmm. there's really nothing and it's so and some subtle people don't it's it yeah that's what i was going to say even for a movie like weird science where you would think there's certain scenes where that hdr would really um complement the film it's it, it's okay but it's yeah. not a deal breaker for me yeah so mm -hmm. i wanted to mention that i mean i think now i'm a little more selective in terms of what i choose to upgrade but most of the blu-rays i buy are either like the arrow sets that we were talking about that we know they're probably not going to get 4ks more obscure movies um like that enter the video store set which i'm sure God, we're going to so do good. a video on that yeah but like i'm I'm not going to re like even if they came out with 4ks of those movies i'm not going to i'm not going to get those they're the, that's, i'm not going to buy gonna look yeah. yeah. So it, it's stuff like that where I think now I'm I'm more aware of the limits of of the source material in terms yeah. of each release, right? Yeah. And I and I look at each release like that and say, okay, what does this film look like on Blu-ray? A, do I have the Blu-ray? Do I think it's going to be worth upgrading to 4K? 
there's also a question of packaging and extras. Like if the extras are worth it, if I think the special features alone, because I'm somebody that likes the special features, I like mm-hmm. to watch those and, and mm-hmm. really get into the behind the scenes aspects of everything. So if I think it's a it's a situation where the special features are worth upgrading, then that's another factor that I consider. Um, but with most of like, let's say, I'll throw you guys an example, 88 films. They do a lot of the Hong Kong action movies and martial arts films that I like. Most of those movies look incredible. Like they look great on Blu-ray. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to upgrade those on 4K. Yeah. Now, luckily... 88 films they've done i think they've done a handful of 4ks by now dragons forever was was one of them and that's a fantastic release do i think it warrants a 4k not necessarily but it it looks great but i'd be just as happy with the blu-rays right so i think it depends i mean most of those most of the uh most of the asian films that i own like the martial arts and the hong kong action movies they're they're not necessarily candidates for 4k i think it's because of the quality of the transfers and i don't know if that has anything to do with like rights issues with like fortune star and a lot of those asian production companies like and and the licensing i'm not sure how that works but like police story for example i got the police Mm. story trilogy on 4k from eureka it looks fantastic but Mm -hmm. i think it also it could have been done with 4k scans on on a blu-ray on blu-ray I, yeah. It would have looked just as good. So because they made it available in 4K, I just went with the 4K just to say, you know what? I have the 4K. I know this is the best possible version of this movie. But at the same time, if they came out with a Blu-ray release, which they may have um, individually, I would have been perfectly fine with that too. So for me, it's a matter of only double dipping if it's something I really like, which even then I, I don't do often, mm. you know? Um and the same thing, like with Black Friday, I try to wait for sales. Like with Vinegar Syndrome, Chase and I talk about this. Vinegar Syndrome is a is a label that I love. I love what they do. I try to support them whenever I can. You know, I, I try to do day one buys whenever possible, but a lot of the time I'm waiting for those sales because a lot of the stuff that Vinegar Syndrome puts out, it's like, well, I'm not going to pay full price for this. If I know yeah. I can save money and just hold off until a Black Friday sale or a halfway to Black Friday sale, which they do usually in, in May or June every year. I'm just going to do that because you just save so much more and that's money that I can put towards other releases. So that's really where I am right now. Uh, just trying to be selective as best as I can and financially responsible with with my spending when it comes to this hobby because I don't want to be one of those people where it's like five years from now, I'm sitting here and I have a room full of shelves with a bunch of movies on them that I don't watch or that I've seen once. Cause at that point it's like, well, where'd the money go? You know, like I want to make sure that it's something that I'm going to rewatch at least once or twice every couple of years, you know, for me. So I, I kind of look at the long-term aspect of it too now, because it's like, once I have this movie, I have it. That's great. And I'm kind of with you, Gabe. I like the fact that I can just have it in my hand. I don't have to worry about finding it on streaming or, or, not having the ability to watch it again. So that's a big bonus to what it is that we do here. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I just, it's, it's just being much more selective than I have been in the past, especially now where my collection's at the point where I have a lot of stuff that I own that I love. And, you know, every now and then I'm going to end up having to go through and purge a few things here and there. Mm-hmm. But if I can keep that to a minimum, then, then I'm happy, right? As long as I feel like I'm, I'm getting value for the money that I'm putting into it, and that's different with each title, obviously. We, you know, that's a 
something I weigh with each release. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. What about you, Chase? I'm kind of at the opposite of Will, I think. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, you tell me, Chase, because I'm curious where you're at right now. Some my buying habits. I mean, it, it it's varied massively over the last little bit, um, especially as like you know more things became more prevalent. As like like I had prefaced whenever it came to like what got me into more so collecting, buying, and stuff. I didn't really look at it as collecting. You know what I mean? I just like I love movies. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like I'd rather own them and stuff like that. My biggest thing is like to point out the slipcover thing that he was talking about. I was like, I totally care. I didn't realize, but it's just to go back to like how I started getting into 4Ks. I go to Best Buy once or twice a month. So since I get them day one, all of mine had slipcovers, every single one of them, mm-hmm. especially yeah. whenever I said like it was two shelves deep. Every single movie that I had that was in 4K had a slipcover. So whenever I wouldn't get one, I'd get a little pissed off <laughs> because it would just stick out like a sore thumb. You know what I mean? So then you'd have like this shiny plastic versus like this shiny cardboard and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it, it just, I just despised it to the point where <laughs> I've had people actually custom make slip covers and send, like I'll, I'll pay for them. You know what I mean? Like, oh crap. Literally less than 2% of my collection doesn't have slip covers unless it's a shout release or something like that. That didn't come with one. Like every single release I have that had a slip cover when it came out has a slip cover. So. I just like it for the uniformity. I think part of taking the slip cover is a part of the process, right? It just, it, it just like the sh- sound that it makes just is like, <laughs> I don't know, gives you tingles. <laughs> no slip, so, no dip, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, like I literally, if, if a Shout Factory or Scream Factory release doesn't have a slip, I'm waiting for a sell, if that, you know? Yeah. Um, like Bill and Ted, you know, I wish like they would offer an alternative for Steelbooks, you know what I mean? That would have been an amazing Steelbook for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But in regards yeah. to how I buy, if it's a studio release, if it's Warner <clears throat> Brothers, I know that their slips are going to be in print for at least 365 days if it's not the biggest hot commodity. So typically, I'll wait for the $10 sales because I can damn near guarantee a slip cover from there, right? Um, Amazon, not so much because they like to reshrink their things and send them back out as if they're brand new. So mm-hmm. at least whenever Best Buy was still selling uh, physical, I mean, they are as of this recording, but in the future, they won't. Um, it was nice to be able to go in there, hand pick them, do this, and then do that. If it's a Sony release that I care about, day one, they just love to make things scarce. They just love to do that on purpose, it yep. feels like. Um, Lawrence of Arabia being an excellent example. Dr. Strangelove, when it got its solo release outside of Columbia Classics Volume 1, did not have a slipcover. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, Will, like if it has a steelbook, I'm most likely going to go for that because for the longest time there, it'd be like $1 to $2 more. It wasn't yeah. like a huge yeah. difference in price. So that's what got me into steelbooks. Well, um, well can I, I want to mention one yeah. thing because you actually just kickstarted this thought. And here's the other thing, like as far as the steelbooks are concerned, because everybody thinks, well, the steelbooks are so expensive. But, you know, you have a company like Lionsgate, they're putting out steelbooks for like $20. Like yeah. at most you're yeah. paying maybe 22, 22 23 bucks. 23 yeah. bucks, exactly. So that's made it much more affordable to collect steelbooks. Um, and, and the other thing about that is like, I didn't really get into the steelbook aspect in terms of how often I buy them. If I like the artwork, then I'm going to go for it. But there's been plenty of steelbooks. I'll, I'll be completely honest that I've, I've just opted for the slipcover because I'm just not a fan of what they did for the artwork. So I, I'm yeah. not getting it just because it's a steelbook as well. So I wanted to clarify that, but 
go right ahead. Jim. Yeah. And I wanted to shout this out. A lot of people don't realize this um, because you had said Anchor Bay earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. The people that make those slipped Lionsgate steals is actually the folded division from Anchor Bay post-acquisition from, from Lionsgate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that's why they're so cool. Just a little fun fact out there. So they're still, yeah. in essence, alive. I think they have some of the same core creative team that puts those out and transfers those. But yeah, um, and then there was also this awkward period where only Blu-rays, like at the dawn, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I remember like Jigsaw. I went to go buy it because I, I didn't miss it. In th- I missed it in theaters. And so they mm-hmm. had a Blu-ray steelbook for 20 maybe mm-hmm. 25 and then it was like 28 dollars for the 4k and i was like why would i buy the you know they did the same thing with uh into the spider-verse mm-hmm. yeah. they did the same thing where the blu-ray got a steel book the 4k did not at least right. for a best buy exclusive packaging at that time so yeah. like i wouldn't say i became a lot more selective it's just for years it was like you know just budget of like one to two movies a month so then it accrued mm-hmm. you know that would times 24 movies sometimes i might get another one black friday sales that's how i got the star yeah. wars sets uh, was a good Black Friday sale where they dipped down to like $15 each. And so I'd buy that, you know, that's like my Christmas to myself every year is like, you know, mm-hmm. Black Friday sales. So that's essentially how I'll pick and choose and buy. Whenever it comes to like certain companies, I'll usually wait like Criterion. I never buy those for MSRP. Um, please take this. Like if you do not know, most people probably listening to this know about the Criterion sales <coughs> that happen. If you're twice getting like US, yeah, twice a year in Arrow, those happen twice a year. I want to say February yep. and then August mm-hmm. of every year. So unless it's going to be like Warriors, right? We just got fortunate in the placement of it, but I have high doubts that you would have been able to get Warriors on this cell had it been six months later for the US domestic, you know, standard artwork. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a pretty hot commodity. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised, yeah. Will and I, that you were able to find into the video store. That thing is scalped out of the wazoo on eBay. You know? I should say the one that I, I don't know if this is the case with you, Chase. I actually meant to ask you this before we went live here, but I don't have. It's not the collector's edition. The one that I have is is the standard edition, but it is still on sale. So it is the standard edition. It doesn't for come with the, the booklet for Enter the Video. Yeah, you, did, oh, you yeah. did not get a booklet with yours, right? Yeah, mine's just the super just tiny the ones. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it just so still looks cool. Yeah, it still looks cool, and and again, that's one of those situations where it's like, okay, would it have been cool to maybe have the booklet in there? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I'm somebody who, like, for something like the Warriors, I, I told you guys this. We talked about it on the last episode. I love the Warriors. It's it it mm-hmm. was my best release of the year physically. Um, yeah, I w- I want the book for that. It's cool to have the lobby cards. It's awesome to have those posters because I'm going to switch those out every now and then with the ones I have on the wall. You know, I'm going to display that. Mm-hmm. I don't need a booklet for something like Enter the Video Store. Yeah. And I'm not dogging on the collection. It's a cool, neat little collection of more obscure, you know, lesser known films. And I appreciate that a company like Arrow does that kind of stuff. But yeah, for something like that, in terms of the value for the money, like I don't need the lobby cards. I don't need the posters. I don't need any of the extra stuff. Just give me the movies. Give me the discs. I'm happy to just have that. So yeah. And especially like after taxes, it's just over $10 a movie. You know what I mean? Like you can't even get new releases like that, especially with Labor of Love with special features, Rage War and Dungeon Master, which is the same movie having three different cuts on the same disc. Three awesome. Cuts, yeah, it's you know? wild. So it's a great little set. Like things like that is what gets me going. Like physical media, I, w- I don't buy every horror movie. At one point, a lot of people know this. I had every horror movie that had ever came out on 4K as uh, that was as of December 2022. 
I, as of December 22, mm-hmm. I had all of them, but then Severin started coming out with like these $60 editions. And then like mm-hmm. they would limited press like four flies on gray velvet, which now I do have. And that sells yeah. on eBay for like $180 and stuff like that. It's just, it's dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a lot more fun whenever everything was damn near universally $30, $35. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like 10, 15 releases a month, which now I'm happy that there's that, that quantity out there. But mm-hmm you know, when it was slower paced, it was a lot easier to keep up with. So yeah, I'm a lot more yeah. selective studio releases. I typically, except if it's Sony, I'll typically get that within the first 30 days. If it's looking like it's going out of print because Sony titles, definitely they, they don't put out a lot of their copies except across the spider verse. That one still has slips out there and everything. Right. But most everything that isn't vinegar syndrome is definitely worth like a uh, waiting for, or if it's like that ghostbusters ultimate collection, which I have a showcase up for, of course, I'm not going to try and wait for that. Some people had their pre-orders even canceled. I'm like super fortunate. I even have that little ghost, like the uh, proto pack and stuff like that edition of that. And I almost canceled yeah. my pre-order because I didn't think I needed it. But you ended up getting that. Got the Superman set. Like it has to be something that speaks to me. Like I have the Zavi four film set for Mad Max. Um, that looks a lot like the Superman Steelbook showcase where it's got the hard case and then the the styrofoam. I have the Mad Max set for that. And of course I'm going to pay for that. A second site release. They make unique things. So I will, I like uniqueness. I like unique things on my shelf. Of course it's not unique to me, but there's limited quantities out there, right? Like Martin stuff like that. So yeah, I've become a lot more selective, especially since things typically do dip down and they're pricing quite a bit. So that's pretty much my buying habits for the most part. Not too, too in-depth, but yeah, I'm mostly a big Vinegar Syndrome supporter. That's like the biggest one that I support, Second Sight, <laughs> um, which is still really solid after import fees and super easy like financial um, mm-hmm. investment, I guess you can say. Not really an investment, but a financial um, follow-through to pull out from the UK. Same with Arrow. They're all pretty reasonably yeah. priced depending on how you look at it. If it's a movie that means to you like Warriors did for you, Barbarella was a blind buy, but I'm super happy I bought that because now that's one of my favorite sci-fi films. That was an amazing first time watch, you know, um, hmm. immaculate transfer, but it wasn't something I just blind bought it. It wasn't like, Oh, $35. And this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Hell right. yeah. You know what I mean? I had that for last starfighter, but again, right. that's not necessarily right. something that needed to be upgraded. Just like weird science didn't need to be. Right. Yeah. And I, I want to say quick, the thing with vinegar syndrome, cause I, I buy a lot of their stuff as you guys know, at least it, it here's the cool thing about something or a company like vinegar syndrome they at least have the quantities listed on their website most of the time uh, as far as the titles are concerned so if you're somebody who is like oh, i don't know if i want to like get this i'm not sure if it's worth it i mean at least with vinegar syndrome we pretty much by the first few days like after something goes live if it's something like existens where obviously they were moving copies of like uh, they were moving copies fast like like they like copies were going right yeah you can mostly, you can tell, I mean, what do they do? 10,000, they did 10,000 or 9,000 for Existence, I think. There's a, there, there's most movies on there they're doing like 8,000 units of. So most of that stuff, you can probably wait for a sale. Yeah. You know, I, I think nowadays, as Chase said, Gabe, with, with the amount of releases that we have each month, I think it's really uh, a matter of just doing your due diligence and kind of paying attention to when things are coming out and what you're interested in and whether or not you think it's something that you want to wait for. And if it's not a limited quantity, then you really don't have to worry that much, right? Like like yeah. he said with Warner Brothers. 
Sony, obviously, you got to be a little more on top of that kind of stuff. But especially with the boutiques, though, if you know it's a limited run, then okay. I mean, I'm I'm going to check the the date of the pre order and make sure that I secure a copy if it's something I really want. But if it's something like Vinegar Syndrome, where you know they have eight thousand units and it's been three months and they're still well over a thousand, mm-hmm. and there's a sale in another three months, like I'm just going to wait for the sale. So it's also about not being as impulsive to like have that like FOMO as we hear about where it's like, Oh, I got to get it now because if I don't get it now, then it's like a Lawrence Arabia situation, man. I mean, that's what it is. It's just a matter of if you love something, then, then go for it. You know what I mean? I think that if you, if you're passionate about a movie, it, you should just shoot for it regardless. And that, that's typically what I do at least with a lot of directors I care about, like Martin Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino, like I will, I will buy those like on day one, just because it's, it's, yeah. those are movies that I care about, I'm passionate for, and I don't mind dropping the, you know, the, the thirty bucks or whatever it is opening week. But it, it, if it's something that you know you can wait, you know, like a year to get it on sale, it's going to be ten bucks on Black Friday. It's like you might as well just wait. Um, I'm, I'm the opposite of you guys. I think I've gotten. I, at the beginning, I was selective, just to, like d- directors that I cared about and movies that I cared about, and that's all I would buy. I wasn't very, I was actually pretty, cl- I would say I was pretty closed-minded, like my early days of collecting, even in early days of 4K collecting. Like I would just buy a lot of the theatrical stuff that I'd see. Um, hmm. And the, and, and I would kind of like what you said, Chase, the, the Steelbook stuff. I would buy the, the Steelbooks because there were two or three more dollars. It was, it was kind of, to me, it was kind of dumb not buying it. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I would do that. Um, but I, like slowly over the past few years, I've done, I've done a lot of, uh, blind buys, like honestly, just from like word of mouth, like movies, like yeah. uncut gems when that came out, that was getting such good mm, word of mouth same. that I, I just bought it. Like I was just like, let me check this movie out. And a lot of the blind yeah. buys, like, to be honest, like they actually turn out to be great. Um, yeah. Okay. so and especially when it's Black Friday, that's when I typically blind buy the most. I'll honestly just blind buy a crap load of movies that I haven't seen just because in my mind, at 10 bucks or less, it's like, you know, a movie tickets 10 bucks or less. You know what I mean? Right. So if, if I end up liking the movie, great. If not, you know, maybe it'll stick on my shelf and I can sell it or or get rid of it at some point. But that's kind of the approach I've taken now. I just do a lot of kind of blind buys and and it. And it's been, at least for me, most of the time, more times than not, it's been worth it. Um, rewarding. Yeah, it's, it's been rewarding. Um, I know you guys are more into the boutiques than I am. I typically wait for sales on boutiques, like the Criterion sale that uh, Chase mentioned. I always try to get a few titles there. Um, mm. And Arrow, I, I honestly just started getting into Arrow. I bought uh, Dune, when was it, that last year, a year and a half ago? I don't remember mm. how long ago that one was. I think that was the oh, first Arrow. Arrow. Yeah, for Arrow. I think that was yeah. the first Arrow that I got. Um, yeah. But some of those releases are cool too. Like I'll I'll wait till they're on sale. Like the Barnes and Noble sale, I just picked up uh, Warriors and um, Ringu. Um, so nice. it's worth waiting for sales, at least in my opinion. Unless it's something you absolutely care about and you're passionate yeah. about, then then spend the money on it. I mean, I went through a period where I was buying these freaking premium steel books behind me, and it's I, I kind of regret. That was an error, yeah. man. That was it was bad, dude. I mean, like, but it was. <laughs> It, you know, like I got these copies of these movies and I mean, they're they're like museum pieces. You know what I mean? They're gorgeous to look at. It, it, yeah. They're, they're freaking incredible. But it's you, mm. you have to be really passionate about a movie to spend that much on it. You know what I mean? I, For sure. Like if, they, if they made some warrior set that was like 150 bucks, I'm sure Will probably would have bought it. 
Um, it's it, yeah. it just depends on how passionate you are about the movie and whether you think it's worth it. I think right now with like the, the way things are, um, you know, go for the movies that you're passionate about. Um, if it's something 10 bucks or under, just I I just say just buy it. I know a lot of people may disagree yeah, sure. with that just in terms of like clutter. Obviously, you don't want like, you know, shelves and shelves of just random movies just sitting there kind of like what Will said. But at the same just time, I'm like it, it to me, it's a good value. And, yeah. you know, you you have a copy of it on the shelf. And sometimes it sounds weird. Sometimes there are movies that even if I didn't like them on the first run, I like let me pop that back in there and see how I feel about it a few years later. You know what I mean? Just to see mm-hmm. if I if I feel differently about the movie, because that happens all the time. Um, yeah. So so right now I am I'm selective with like more like like at least with the steel books and the more expensive releases. I'm pretty selective with that and and the premiums for sure. Like I've slowed down mm. a lot on the premiums. I like I was just going gung ho on every freaking premium release that was coming out. Um but right now I think it's I, I'm just waiting on Black Friday sales and and focusing on the releases that I am very passionate about. Like Killers of the Flower Moon is probably the next one that's coming up. I think is that getting a steel book? I don't remember if in that Italy. Really, no. in Italy okay. it is, yeah. Oh, in Italy, oh great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's probably the next one that I'm I'm gonna shoot for, and I'll probably get that the first week just because I I love Martin Scorsese and I love that movie. But um, at the end of the day, buy buy stuff that you're passionate about. For you sure, know what I mean. But I I do have that rule where it's you know, I know a lot of people have been like weary of the FOMO thing. We we're just talking about you know like like. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. I, I feel like a lot of people yeah. bought that movie just because it was super valuable like, at one point. Super valuable, or they're scared. Like, if I don't have this in my collection, then I'm not a serious collector, or whatever the the mindset was. But it's it's like, at least for me, I I love Lawrence of Arabia. You know, it's a freaking amazing movie. I love watching it every few years, and that was something I really wanted. But if you don't mm. care about Lawrence of Arabia, it's like, why are you spending? you know, 30, 40 bucks on this steel book. And you, and you, especially people, I saw people buying it that didn't like the movie. Like yeah. I see people on Reddit commenting <laughs> yeah. saying like, I don't really care about Lawrence Arabia, but I just want to make sure I have it. Cause it's going to go out. Of print. To it's like, it. It, yeah. to me, that doesn't make it make any sense. Um, but yeah, buy the stuff you like and care about, spend as much money as you want on it. No one's judging you. Um, and to me, if it's 10 bucks or under, that's the gold rule. Like it's like, just give it a shot at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes with a digital. So if you like digital libraries, if it's 10 bucks and under, I think that's one of the biggest bang for value because I used to travel a lot more than I do now for work. Mm-hmm. So hotel yeah. stays became a lot better. You know what I mean? Didn't have to just watch whatever was on cable news and stuff like that. So that's yeah. why I like, I know some people just don't even use their digital codes, but that's where yeah. that, that value at $10 comes in. You know, special features, another 4K transfer, um, this, that, and the third. And I get a digital code so I can watch it wherever I go. You know, and, that's where the big to, value comes from. I mean, up till recently, we had the Blu-ray disc with it. I know, like, it was kind of useless because you had the 4K. Yeah. But, like, there were some situations where I had friends that wanted to borrow a movie. They didn't have a 4K player. They're not, like, enthusiasts. But I'm like, oh, here's the here's the Blu-ray. They're like, okay. Yeah, cool. exactly. You know what I mean? And, yeah. I mean, I know we're not getting that anymore, but... I thought, I mean, at ten bucks, like you get a four K, a Blu Ray, and a freaking digital. I think that's a that's a huge, huge deal. Yeah. No, exactly. And that yeah. makes perfect sense. And I, I want to mention something else too. Like space is definitely another factor that I think at some point mm-hmm. most people run into. You know, it's like when you're starting off, it's great because you're like, oh, okay, I could just have a, like a shelf here, and then it's like, oh, eventually that shelf fills up, and you get another one. So. 
And that's something I've tried to be conscious of too, guys, is like, you know, I got to think about space, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, what do I want to do? Like, do I want to eventually, like, I might have to put some movies away in storage or like store them in the closet in a, you know, well vented area, you know, just to make sure that they're good. But it's like, I, I'm not going to need everything on the shelf. So it's going to become that kind of situation. And, you know, right now I don't have the space for like a library, so to speak, but I also don't have that many movies in my collection where I have to worry about that just yet. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I wanted to shout that out there because I, I think that's a thing that a lot of people worry about, you know, the the deeper they get into the hobby. It's like, well, damn, like I'm going to run out of space. Like, what am I going to do? So yeah, it's another reason why I think it's important to, and, and this is something I started doing like at the end of the year, I kind of go through or not necessarily the end of the year, but every like six months or so I'll go through the shelf and the collection and, and kind of pick things out that I haven't seen and try to watch those and figure out what it is like, okay, if I'm going to sell a few things off, um, I, I got to figure that out just for the sake of maintaining space, you know, and, and mm -hmm. keeping in mind what I have on pre-order, what's coming in. So that, that's another thing that I think people have to, to juggle with, uh, with this, but so far I haven't had any problems with it personally, but I know that's a big thing with a yeah. lot of people is just having space to be able to, to uh to store everything that's so. where you want to be selective you know what i mean maybe be more selective if, if space is a factor um yeah but i mean that kind of what you said well i mean that's when maybe you want to purge some movies that are just sitting on your shelf that you know really maybe you already have the 4k the blu-ray sitting there it's like why do i have this you know yeah triple dip or double dip or whatever it may be and it's like maybe i need to get rid yeah. of some copies so um, I, I think at some point, you know, people probably need to purge, you know, some some parts of their collection, but or maybe not, yeah. you know, just unless you have infinite space where you can just, you know, stack up a whole bunch of movies. I've seen some, you know, you people on YouTube, man, they have like freaking rooms oh and rooms <laughs> of, yeah. of movies. Crazy. It's mind boggling. It's crazy. But it, it even comes down to like whether or not you you think it's worth it to buy like a full slip case or just wait for the standard. Like in the case with Arrow Chase, like we were talking mm -hmm. about that the other day, like. Donnie Darko, for example. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do I like the movie? Yeah. Do I need it in a full slip? No. Like I could have yeah, exactly. yeah. just gotten the standard for that. And that's one of those situations where it's like, maybe I'll sell that full slip a couple months from now and, and just pick up the standard if I really want it. Right. And and that's a situation where I've, I've tried to be more mindful of that. Like if it's something like the Warriors, like, hell yeah, I'm going to get that full slip. I need that. And I want the best package available because that's a movie that's near and dear to my heart. But yeah, something like Donnie Darko, which and a lot of people love that movie, so I'm not hating on that. But it's just a situation where if, if you see that there's options available for a release and it's not something that's like in your top 10 or top 100 or whatever it is, if you're willing to forego the FOMO of, of buying the limited edition to just grab a standard just to be able to give yourself more space down the line, I think that's something mm -hmm. that, you know, more people should consider as well. So because it's definitely something I've taken into account. Yeah. It's, yeah, especially with a lot of these like special edition sets too. Like I know we're maybe we'll talk about that in another episode, but sometimes they release these special edition sets like re 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 release. You know what I mean? It's like five times and you know they've released some special edition set and they're like huge weird you know box sets. And I'm like I don't know where the fucking put these on my shelf. <laughs> like you know I I hate yeah. those. I can't stand that's those at actually all. like. To your point about running out of space, I actually started thinking about that because I have the Oscar Atlantic 720s, I want to say. I know they're pretty popular amongst the community. Yeah. So yeah. you know how like the where the shelves separate in the middle and it has that little bit of extra clearance right there? That's yeah. where all of my full slip editions go. So I have six of those. 
And I have so many full slips on those 720s that the entire middle row, now I'm starting to have to move things around and put them on the top shelf. But I only really have the full slips of movies I actually want. Of course, like I said earlier, Barbarella was a blind buy, but I'm just over the moon. I went ahead and got that full slip because I ended up absolutely loving that movie. It was fantastic, you know. And then I do have Donnie Darko, but I'm happy I have it. I mean, it's a good movie. It's just not my favorite one, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. I have all the Argentos on full slip. But yeah, that's really my only problem. But I also have DVDs, like uh, collector's edition DVDs from my childhood. And I even have VHSs all up on my shelves. Yeah. Um. So I just have to move some of those to get those around. But yeah, I mean, just purge things. And especially, like, you never know. Like, I, I don't want to sit here and push the thing, like, like, when it comes to movies, that there's a value. There are some that are more valuable. You know, like the Neon Demons German release that came out um, Mm. only on streaming on Amazon. The Suspiria um, 2018 that only came out on Amazon. Those are some of the hardest movies to find. Four Flies on Great Velvet. No, dude, I missed out on that for 60 freaking dollars and I'm still pissed off and it's Uh, been three years. (laughs) I saw, yeah, someone was trying to sell for like $200. I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. That's crazy. I saw it on eBay for eight hundred, and that's when it just starts getting oh my dumb. God. When it comes, yeah, it's a movie. Come on, you know what I mean? Like nothing out there is worth eight hundred unless it's like you know a, a premium, something like that. They can handcrafted. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a German Amaray release of a movie that you is the streaming rights are owned by Amazon over here in the U.S. And right. then there's like artificial inflation. I like to call it by Severin, like with Four Flies on Gray Velvet. They made that intentionally scarce. You know, that that thing is intentionally hard to find because they only made so Mm -hmm. many copies. People want the movie because it's Argento. Well, you know what's Um, weird about that? They made it, it was different than how they did it this year, Chase. Because this year, the Black Friday titles, once they were available, you had had the duration of the sale to buy them. To get them, yeah. With Four Flies, it's like they made it available and they're like, this is only available for a limited time to purchase. And, and everyone was, was asking the same question. Well, the question was, well, wait a minute. What about the copies that they didn't sell? Like, what are they, what are they, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just going to store those somewhere and they're never going to see the light of day. Did it you was ever just see so that? weird how they handled it? What's up? Severin post pictures of them selling them at booths on their social media. Just as recently as yesterday, they had about five of them right there on a booth. Yeah. So I'm assu- like, like people predicted, they made it yeah. available and said it was a limited edition release only available yeah. for a limited time. And now here you, here you are, you can go to, I'm assuming that's at conventions. I'm assuming they're yeah. going around at different conventions and doing that, yeah. which I guess is okay. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's their product. They can do what they want with it. Yeah. But like stuff like that, I can understand like, that's like a big roadblock for people. Cause it's like, okay, yeah. you're, you're going to do something like that and then say that it's limited. But then if I go to a convention, I can, I can still buy it, even though it's supposedly unavailable to order. Right. You know? So scarce. Yeah. Manipulating the market, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think those were all very good points guys for our collecting habits, how we purchase things to let you guys get to know us. We opened up a little bit. Are of our hearts to you guys and personalities. A little bit. Chase's heart <laughs> and personality. Yeah. Chase just like I want to rewatch the video just to watch Chase's reaction when Will's talking about slip covers because I felt like he was just dying inside the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like he was just staring and, and I'm like, Throw oh God. Away. <laughs> I've seen people that I, intentionally post things to Reddit where they cut them. I get home. Oh, yeah. I, I used to just rip it right off of that box, <laughs> just look at it for a split second, just discard it like the trash that it was. 
Oh, you, you saw it like a Christmas packaging where you just took it from the yes. top and ripped it down. <laughs> Will's like, no, the new, it's, just rip it yeah. off. Just rip yeah. it up and it, oh, oh, it ripped. Oh, well, it's Oops. meant to. No, you know what? I, I'm, I'm different about it now, though, as I said, slip cup, like especially with the boutiques, I, I try to keep the slips in, in, in good condition because, you know, it is it looks aesthetically pleasing, like uniformity, mm-hmm. like a lot of people like that. I like that, you know, yeah. you know having like that OCD where it's like everything's got to be organized, you know. Um, so I, I totally get it. And I think slip covers have grown on a lot of people. I think now yeah. as the market has become more collector focused, so to speak, yeah. slip covers have kind of be like, you know, they've kind of found new life in that to the point where, um, you know, I, I like just to throw this out there real quick, guys, I remember back in the day when like circuit city and Best Buy used to have, like, it was like lenticular slip covers for like DVDs and stuff that were limited. Yeah. yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. So, yeah, awesome. you know, it's not like slip covers were always meant to be like discarded. So they did do some cool stuff with them back in the day. Um, just not like they do now, you know? Yeah. So you don't see that. I mean, I think the the only ones I can think of recently were, I think talk to me did that, right. They had a lenticular mm. slip and, uh, um, dragon ball, yeah. dragon, dragon ball, ball and it, um, who, um, a Morbius had one. It's Morbin time. That one had <laughs> one. Trying. Trying. <laughs> I literally okay for people that don't know this. I'm like the only person in this world that actually found that movie watchable. Mm. I can't, bro. I can't. Okay. I, <laughs> Did you guys? Are you guys gonna grab? They're coming out. I think they're re-releasing uh, the Exorcist Believer with a uh, lenticular slipcover. God, I'm still. No, you know what? You know what? Sucks for a dollar. It, that's a joke. That they're not doing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, well the thing that sucks I, I love the artwork of that movie like the the poster and like the, the, the photography cool. of it yeah like like yeah. that's what sucks even the steelbook doesn't look bad like i, I love it's the artwork cool. they have yeah so it's it yeah. sucks that it's like you know you get this like you know beautiful package and inside it's just a turd mm-hmm. yeah are you it buying that chase? Exorcist if it like, goes down that... to a dollar like i predict yeah <laughs> a dollar <laughs> Just to have, oh, just to have it. Well, I already have Exorcist one three, and literally, if I can get it for under nine, maybe. Well, you still you curiosity. have two. You own Exorcist two. No, I was saying that they probably could have sold more copies had they bundled it with Exorcist two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No way, bro. I you wouldn't it be funny. Like we should probably do a podcast on this too, because like there's it, it like there's always movies that come out and then they're just not well received, and then like two decades later, it's like. What was everyone oh, thinking? Cold movies, like, okay. yeah, cold, yeah, like you know what I mean. I, I wonder. Yeah, I, I highly doubt it, but I'm like, we, you know, we're old oh. men, sixty years old, and Exorcist believers. Like, what is everyone thinking? It's a great freaking movie. Exorcist two hasn't gotten that status. This definitely will not. <laughs> yeah, I doubt. Yeah. Exorcist three did though. So I mean, there's always a yeah. Chance. No, Exorcist three did. I liked Exorcist three, but it's good. I can't yeah. believe that came out this year. Shout out that I don't know what the, the deal was with Exorcist 3, though, because like that actually is like a solid, very solid psychological horror movie. So it's weird that it got the reception that it did. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't I think, think it's more like a believer sus- is going to have that status. It's like more of a suspense yeah. horror mystery kind of like, you know, it's not like the first yeah. one was like set like full horror and the third one's kind of like right. mystery kind of. It's not like full on horror. I don't know if that's what the reason was, but I don't know. Mm. Tell them more suspense, and they only added the exorcism in there to please the studio. Otherwise, it wasn't right. originally supposed to have an exorcism yeah. in it for the third one. Yeah, Fun we're fact. getting off topic because <laughs> too much stuff to talk about. But uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we will be back next week uh, for another podcast, and we'll have a few videos in between. I know Chase and I are going to do our uh, 
we made each other watch a movie and <laughs> the reaction's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be epic, that. guys. Make sure you stay tuned for that oh, on YouTube. God. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be fun. It'll be a fun conversation between these two. Oh god. <laughs> for sure. I can guarantee that. I'm questioning Chase's sanity after watching that after movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um but we we appreciate you guys listening as always like subscribe comment down below and we will catch you guys for the next one next time next time next time peace peace